Hello everyone, this is Jonathan Van Maren and I am the Communications Director for the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. Welcome to 5.30 a.m. The Bridgehead at 1.30 on Thursday afternoon. Now in continuing our series of interviews, I have an interview today that I think everyone will find very, very interesting. It's an interview with Dr. Monica Miller, who's the author of a recently published book called Abandoned, the Untold Story of the Abortion Wars, and it goes through in great detail the beginning stages of the legalization of abortion in the United States and how the pro-life activists, uh, in many cases the very first pro-life activists, responded to that challenge of newly legalized abortion. So we're very happy to have her with us today. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, I was just telling our listeners about your book, and, and the first question I want to ask you today is what made you decide to write this book? Well, I get a, a lot of people ask me that question, um, and I know this is going to sound a little bit, I don't know, um, maybe simplistic, and I don't mean it to sound simplistic, but honestly, the, the reason I wrote this book was to tell the truth. Right. And I... I've been struck over these many decades of my involvement with uh, the pro-life movement that our culture, despite the fact that literally tens of millions of innocent human beings have been wiped off the face of the earth in legalized abortion, everything looks still so darn normal. Um, you know, we get up and we go about our routine and we are focused on um, what it is that is of interest to us as we go through our our daily routines, and, um, and and we're not disturbed. Our lives are not um, confronted by the by the fact that um, we are living in a culture that that permits um, the extermination of a whole people group. And I want to strip away that that facade of normalcy and reveal the depths um, of the tragedy uh, of abortion. And I, you know, when I when I talk about abandoned, um, the untold story, right, of the abortion mm -hmm. wars, um, it, really the main character of this book are the babies, right? Uh, even though the book is told in a first person narrative, um, that's just the device, right? Oh so, uh, yes, uh, the book has an autobiographical d d dimension to it, but it's not. Uh, really about me. It's about the work, and it's about the saving of the babies, and right. it's about the babies themselves. In a way, I think between uh, between two covers, uh, Jonathan, I don't think this what I've what I've revealed has ever been done um, in a book regarding the um, the injustice of abortion. And I I think uh, when people read my book, you know, and I think you would agree, it's not an easy read. Okay, this is not a walk in the park. Or no, music. it's not. Okay, um, this is something akin to let's let's go into a concentration camp and see what happened to our fellow man. Right. You know, um, by an unjust regime uh, that says that these people um, were were um, you know not worth uh, not worth living, and and that's what I do. And I you know you cannot escape the fact that uh, abortion really results in the in the killing of a someone um, who lived once and. The abortion industry is designed in such a way to deny the truth and the reality of that particular person. And um, so, and, and, and in addition to that, I, I'm hoping, uh, Jonathan, that I made a contribution to, uh, to a history 
um, that, that has not been written. Um, and if we don't write our own history, then it will be left up to the, the so-called neutral historians or the, uh, the journalists or whomever, the scholars. Um. Yeah, I want to pick up on, on something you said uh, just a moment ago. You said that everything looks so darn normal, even though so many human beings have been wa- wiped off the face of the earth. And there's this moment in your book that really struck me where you describe, uh, you know, bending into your fridge and reaching reaching for some milk and this moment where you realized that you couldn't live a normal life anymore because even though everything looked normal, you realized that nothing was normal. And I think a lot of pro-life activists have had this sort of moment in their life when they first realize what's going on around them. They first realize that, as Greg Cunningham would say, the streets of our cities run red with the blood of pre-born children, and they realize they can't live normally anymore. And a lot of us become very insufferable people for a time where we have to talk about abortion to everybody no matter what the discussion actually is. Can you tell us a little bit about that? what that moment was like for you? You know, abortion is part of your, a part of your 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 uh, your consciousness. Um, you know, I guess I gotta say I'm kind of obsessed with it. <laughs> right. But I think it's a I think it's a proper obsession. Um, you know, when we when we when we know that um, you know, abortion is not just a doctrine. It's not just an issue. It really is the the it's 55 million dead people in the United States and. And 3,500 killings a day, that's what abortion is. And, and every person, whether they're Christian or just a person of goodwill, should be uh, absorbed uh, by it and, and be doing something about it. Right. And, and as you say um, elsewhere, you say that abortion is not just an issue, it's the greatest moral drama of our day. And as I was sort of reading through your book, and you say that, you know, we can all get a bit obsessed, and we are in some ways radicals, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But when we really see it, and I look through, say, the pictures that you have in your book, the pictures of the aborted babies that were tossed out into the trash, when I read about uh, yourself and, and, and Joe Scheidler and other pro-lifer holding a funeral out on the sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic, I think that if you look at the circumstances of what abortion has brought to our respective countries, we're really not radical if you consider the situation situation were only radical placed in context of how the rest of society is treating this injustice. Well said, yes, Jonathan, that, that's, that's exactly right. Um, and by the way, you know, that, that press conference that you just referenced, mm-hmm. you know, I, I narrate that in the, in the book, you know, that was a, an incredible experience on a number of levels, but one of the things that was most um, important for me um, I'd been in, involved in the in the pro-life movement by then but for about 11 years. And, mm. you know, we had those babies that we found in the trash behind the clinic, and now they're, they're in the, in, literally in the sun, mm-hmm. uh, right there on the sidewalk uh, on, on this huge, big Michigan Avenue uh, in Chicago, and right outside the abortion clinic where they had died. And, um, you know, people were coming uh, uh, down the street, uh, uh, completely unprepared for what they were about to see. Right. And we didn't have any warning signs, you know. I mean, um, this was long before people thought about, oh, maybe we should have warning signs or something. But, but, but that meant they didn't read something from the New York Times. They hadn't, you know, they, they, were, they were not psychologically prepared to dismiss what they were about to look at. Right. Uh, and put it in their ready-made niche, oh, this is abortion and I'm, a, I, I'm in favor of abortion, or, mm-hmm. or, or I don't care about abortion, or it doesn't mean anything to me. And then when these people came by and they saw the, literally the broken bodies uh, laid out there uh, on, the, on the tables and, and so on and in the coffins that we had, I saw the awakening of souls. I, you know, there's a certain look 
comes across the face of a person who, who's confronted by the truth about abortion for the first time, mm -hmm. and even if they never, you know, completely convert and join the ranks of the movement or whatever, you know that that person is not going to think about abortion ever again in the same way. Right. And, you know, the women would be coming by and they would cry. They would say, oh, my gosh, these are real babies. These are, these are human beings. It was like I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was in a, I was like, uh, in a privileged position to see that happen mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. souls of people, the, enlight the enlightenment moment, the, the awakening moment. It was, it, was, it was truly remarkable. And, and that's what we do. I, you know, we hope will happen when people see the... The, the humanity of those children in the midst of all that tragedy that they say, never again, abortion, something's wrong here. Something's very wrong here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's the kind of thing that we want. Now, the pro-life movement uh, on both sides of the border has thousands and thousands of people on it. And, and not everyone has actually seen a real aborted baby. Uh, almost everybody has seen pictures. A, a good portion of people have seen video footage um, that's more or less graphic depending on which video you're watching. But not a lot of people have handled the actual bodies of preborn babies. Not a lot of people have actually gone through abortion clinic dumpsters. How did you feel the first time you saw a, a dead baby in a dumpster and realized, uh, realized the, to the fullest extent what was actually going on? Um. I, first of all, I felt that, you know, I used the word privileged. I, I am one of the few pro-lifers maybe in the world that has had this experience. And I, I, in, I instinctively, instantly, spontaneously knew that we had, we had come upon a very terrible secret. And we, we needed to, first of all, treat these broken, dismembered bodies with the greatest reverence that we possibly could because we were, this was the only kind of charity that these babies would ever know. So mm -hmm. I was very, very aware of that. Um, and that's why I, I would not put them in the garage or, or a storage shed or something like that. I, 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 would wanted, I wanted to treat these, these uh, unwanted, abandoned children as I would have treated my own mother, my sister, a friend. Um, and, and so that, that was very, very important for us. But also to let these babies speak the truth of their humanity and speak the truth of the violence that occurred uh, in, in this unjust law. And so the photography, you know, to, to learn how to do the photography was, was uh, it, it, you know, in, in itself, uh, you know, a, a huge um, experience for me. Uh, and I'm a pretty good photographer. I mean, I have a good eye, and I have an artistic sense. Um, but mm -hmm. to take a photo of, mm -hmm. a, of a broken body that, that you know mm -hmm. um, was um, tossed away in the trash, it changes you forever. And I, you know, I say that the, the, my eyes are kind of scarred, in, in a way, um, by, by looking at those images. And there'll be times when I, and I, I talk about this in the book, where I'll see, like, a, a, a born baby's hand. Right, and but it will it'll just take me right back to the right. dark and awful nights, um, going back into the into the alleys and right. finding the bodies. So it's always part of what 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 I am now as a pro life activist. Right, right. 
When the bodies were first were first taken out of the trash and and, and put on on public display, did the did the media react the way that you thought they would react? Because what we've discovered here in Canada too, we put the the bodies of preborn babies um, on display, as it were, so that people can people can see what's really happening. But we often realize that we are the very first human rights movement that does not have the assistance of the media. In fact, the media is part of this very grand cover up. Were you surprised when that happened originally? Michigan Avenue, we had the actual remains of the aborted children who were killed at the Michigan Avenue Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe I was still operating out of a certain naivety that um, the media was going to um, focus on, on the bodies and um, at least describe them or, if, or the, best, the best possible scenario would be to actually photograph them and show them, right? Right, right. Um, or maybe at least, you know, you know, something along those lines. But boy, they hated us. <laughs> we were the crazies. We were the fanatics. Uh, we were insulting people. We were obscene. We, you know, those were the nice words. Right. And, um, you know, but still it made an issue out of it. And, uh, you know, some pro-lifers, I'm not sure I'm, I'm in this particular school of thought, but some pro-lifers think, nope, no, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, yeah, I don't know about that, but, um, you know, and there, was, there were editorials and there were articles and uh, misrepresentations that I, ha- I had to uh, re- make a rebuttal uh, to, to a misrepresentation of what I did on the street, uh, confronting a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was screaming out pro-choice, pro-choice, and pointing to her, you know, uh, herself, and basically right. pointing to her baby because she was like six, seven months pregnant. It was just ridiculously bad, and I, you know, so. But I had to correct that, and and you know, it, you know, you, you may remember that when I wrote my letter to the editor, the Sun, Chicago Sun Times took out the word unborn baby, baby, and so on, and inserted the word fetus in my letter. Right. So there's the media for you, and they, they you know, I, I called them and I made a big fuss about it. Because there's no way, no way that I would ever do that. You know, I'm looking at my own letter printed in the paper, and I'm right. using the word fetus, fetus, fetus. You know, I go, what the heck? I never, I never would do that. And sure enough, I go back to the original letter, and it's, of course, I didn't do that. Right. And they did read. Well, they printed, they printed an apology and a correction and all that good stuff. But that's, that's the thing you got to do. You got to keep after it. Right. You know, it's up to us to speak the truth, and hopefully, uh, some of that truth will stick someplace. Uh, you know, even in the even in the secular press. Right. And I, reading through your book, one of the fascinating sections of your book described another period in pro-life history, and it really is pro-life history because these tactics aren't used at all anymore. Um, most of us know people uh, from the old guard of the pro-life movement that were engaged in these tactics. Um, it's already made it into, I, I bought a history of Christianity several weeks ago, and it's already made it in there. And that was the rescues. That was standing in front of abortion clinics, um, chaining, chaining yourselves to the gates of, uh, of abortion clinics, or hosting peaceful sit-ins. Um, things like that. I, I, I remember talking to to one elderly man that put myself and one of my colleagues up in his house when we were traveling across the country discussing abortion with passers-by, and I asked him why he did what he did, and he, he said, I just wanted to put myself between the babies and the killers. That was my only reason. Can you tell us a little bit about that very unique page in, in pro-life history? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like to 
because I don't think it is, you know, the rescues that we that we involved ourselves with back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, this, well, I, I still very, you know, Jonathan, I, I, I still am, uh, I believe that this is a completely legitimate response to, mm-hmm. and I wish, you know, someone would take up the, you know, pick up the ball and run with it. I don't know if it's going to be me at this stage, but I, I do think that a, a nonviolent, passive, quote-unquote passive, mm-hmm. uh, resistance to, a, to abortion and, and standing in front of the door to an abortion clinic is an act of charity on behalf of the babies who are about to be, you know, who are literally are scheduled for slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we, had, we, you know, people read my book, they'll see that we, you know, we, we, we became very clever in, in the way that we um, were able to actually shut down clinics for a whole day. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the moms, a lot of the moms that gave gave the sidewalk counselors so much more opportunity to talk to the mothers. And um, but I always felt even if we never actually saved any babies, and there's no guarantee you you're ever going to save a baby. And you go to a clinic and you hope and you pray and you try. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, but uh, this was a very important, uh, as you say, episode uh, in in pro life uh, history. And and I and I and I. And it, you know, it was bold. It was. It had its element of uh, audaciousness involved. Um, the abortion clinics were always on the alert, they, and that was the other, I think, benefit. They could not practice the killing um, business in "quote unquote" peace, right? They, there was they, there was always this, the the threat that someone would intervene, someone would make a very big issue out of what they were about to do, and this would you know inevitably there would be uh, a, a newspaper coverage, and so it kept the abortion issue alive in a way that you know in fact that whole Operation Rescue um, you know era uh, in in a way that um, we really in some ways haven't quite seen uh, mm-hmm. uh, again and. Uh, and, and then, of course, it was the, the, the witness that we gave when we went to court, the witness that we gave to the police officers. So we were really confronting the culture as it was, mm-hmm. the whole mechanism that it set up to facilitate the killing of unborn children was confronted by the rescue movement. And, you know, and I, I, I spent a lot of time in my book uh, talking about the, the, the good, the really great good that came out of my going to jail. Right. That I was able to give there to the, to the, to the guards and the, and the prison matrons and all the inmates. I was able to talk women out of abortions while I was in jail. This was a Huber facility, and believe it or not, a woman could go to a doctor and go get an abortion if she wanted one mm-hmm. while she was, you know, in jail because it was a come-and-go situation um, for work uh, and for doctor appointments and so on. Um, so a lot, of great, a lot of great witness came, came out of that time. And, um, and again, I, you know, I think it's, a, as I say, a, a completely legitimate and appropriate response to the, to, the, uh, to the killing of unborn children. What do you say to those who look back at those particular tactics and say that we, we shouldn't be engaging in something that breaks the law? What would you be your response to those people? Because there's a lot of them in Christian circles. Oh, well, I would say they're wrong. <laughs> well, you know, even even in the beginning of the rescue movement, that's, that's exactly the the the, the attitude um, and the position that we had to kind of break through. Right. Um, that there's this there is this wrong, uh, shall we say, reverence for civil law, 
Um, and that breaking the law somehow in and of itself is, is the wrong thing to do. I just completely disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, well, come on, the, 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 the whole law of legalized abortion in itself is not a law at all. It's not a real law. Right. It's, 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 a, it's a violence, and that's coming right out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a duty. There, there comes a point where there's a duty to actually def- not participate, to defy those laws, to, to break them if we have to, in order to be true to the, to the truth of the humanity of the unborn child. Mm-hmm. And um, the child deserves our charity. And if that means breaking the law to defend the unborn child who has a right to our defense, then the, then the law should and needs to be broken. So in other words, what you're saying is, is something quite interesting that I think that many people have never heard before. And it's not just that the preborn child has the right to life, but it also has the right to our defense. Yes, I think so. It has the right to be defended. And there's all kinds of levels of proper defense. And, I, mm-hmm. I, and here's, here's the thing. I think it's important for me to... to to, uh, to, to clarify, mm-hmm. standing in front of an abortion clinic and deliberately blocking the door or the passageway to the abortion chambers, it, we don't want to break the law. The goal is not let's break the law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the law gets broken indirectly in a sense. I mean, the, the, the action is a positive action of love and charity and defense for the unborn child. In a situation in which we have an unjust law, it says we're not permitted to make that defense, mm-hmm. and so there, that so it's not let's go out and break a bunch of laws, and and that's not the point. Right. That law just happens to get broken by a proper act of defense on behalf of a human being who needs to be defended. Mm-hmm. When you when you look at the pro life movement uh, going forward now, and we've been through several waves, if you will, how do you see us moving forward? Well, I think that we we already see that. The pro-life movement, certainly here in the United States, is um, exploiting and taking advantage, ironically, um, of the law and using uh, the law to um, go after abortion clinics, to prosecute abortionists, to, in a sense, make it, make it quote-unquote, more difficult, but that actually means uh, cleaning up these places. Um, uh, and, and as a consequence, some of them just have to shut down. Um, you know, the whole uh, safety, quote unquote, safety issues for the for the woman going in there. Um, but so there, I think there's that. I think I, I do think that in some ways we will win by attrition. Right. By that, you know, we we're going to win because the truth will prevail. You speak it loud enough. You speak it consistently. And the lie of abortion will eventually fall. Right. And so it's just simply incumbent on us to become uh, ever more sophisticated, uh, ever more articulate, um, use all of the best weapons that we possibly have to, to change minds and convert this culture and reverse the law. I think the political landscape, I, I, I think, is extremely important. And so to continue to... Um, promote uh, and put forward pro-life candidates, I think, is extremely important. So we always have to continue to do that. And, um, and But I don't think there's a silver bullet. Um, I've, I, in fact, uh, Jonathan, I, I have to say, after, after these many decades in the, down in the trenches, I, I have kind of, it's, it, maybe, maybe people would think I would have come to this conclusion a long time ago. Right. 
I know there's something still naive about me. I don't know, but I, I think I, I hate to say this, I, I, but I, I'm going to say this. I, I think in some ways I, I, I have to admit that the culture is lost. Right. Okay. The culture is lost. Why, why, why can I say that with some measure of confidence? It's not like it's going. It's on the way of being lost. Okay. The culture was on the way of being lost, maybe back in the '60s or the early 1970s. Mm-hmm. But once the floodgates of death were opened, in, 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 with the with the nationalizing of uh, of legalized abortion in the United States, now we are 55 to 60 million dead people. Right. The culture's lost, and I, I think the key, the key, and it probably always was the key to reversing this perverse and corrupt situation is to enhance and build up the church. Mm-hmm. And I think once, once the church finds her voice, really, really, uh, you know, uh, is afraid, uh, not afraid of, of taking on this culture and realizing what's at stake, I think then you will see... Um, uh, a, a, a real progress in terms of moving forward with these with these uh, life issues and social issues and marriage and all the rest of it. <laughs>